Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Good morning. Good morning. And God bless you, everyone. Welcome to this morning's uh, service. Hallelujah. This is our School of the Bible, a.k.a. Sunday School. Uh, being held by the Kingdom of God Fellowship Church. We are just so delighted for all of you that have tuned in live with us on this morning here on Talk Shoe Radio. I am Apostle Rose White, Senior Pastor of the Kingdom of God Fellowship Church, and we are excited about another Sunday morning. And this is the first Sunday of a brand new month. Hallelujah. We were just saying, you know what, this year has gone on by. In just a few months, it'll already be Christmas, and before you blink your eye, it will be another year. And so we're just praising the Lord today for the month of August, the number eight. I'm telling you, it is new beginnings. Amen. And God is definitely doing some new things. He's doing some great things, some greater work. And we are thanking the Lord for it on today. Uh, We are going to get right into our study on this morning, and then we will come back with all of our announcements and preliminary things, as today is Communion Sunday, and uh, we are going to do things just a little bit different on this Sunday morning, so we ask that you all bear with us. As you know, we are not always held um, to a ritual or a program, but we are led by the Spirit and how we do things, amen, and so we are excited about that. But we do ask that um, you would bear with us just a moment as we open up uh, today's uh, School of the Bible uh, in prayer, amen, amen. We ask that you go ahead and get your Bible ready as we are teaching an evangelistic ministry, and today's scripture is going to be coming from Romans chapter 8, and we are going to be going through verses 28 through 39. That's chapter 8 of Romans, verses 28 to 39. So if you would get your scriptures ready for that at this particular time. I am going to ask Pastor Lex Baker if she would just quickly open up our Sunday school up this morning with prayer. And then right after the prayer, I will be coming back um, to do a complete study on this morning. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everyone. I ask that you join your hearts and mind with me as we go to the Lord's Prayer this morning. Father, we bless you this morning. We honor you. We glorify you. We magnify your name today, for this is the day that you have made, and we shall rejoice and be exceedingly glad in it. So, Father, we give you praise and glory today. We thank you for waking us up this morning and clothing us in our right mind. We thank you for another opportunity that we could come together to hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say to us this day. Now, Father, we repent of all our sins and transgressions this morning. We repent this morning of hidden sin. Father, because we want to be able to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. So we ask this morning in the name of Jesus that you would thoroughly wash us and purge us and cleanse our hearts and minds in the name of Jesus. 
and give us ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to us this day. And, Father, we ask this morning that you would just move all distractions, oh, God, in, in the name of Jesus from this airways. We bind up the hands of the enemy. We bind his plot and plan this morning. Father, let your word go forth clearly this morning that it may accomplish that which you have sent it out to do. And it's in the name of Jesus we're believing and standing together in faith. Father, we ask that you bless the woman of God as she come forth this morning and as she break unto us the bread of life that your word will and shall go forth. Hallelujah. Under the anointing of the Holy Ghost and power. So, Father, we thank you for all the listeners and hearers this morning. We thank you for the bread that's fallen down from heaven this morning. We thank you for a rainy word. We thank you for all those that are joining us this morning. We give you praise and we give you honor. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. Amen, amen. Thank you so much, uh, Pastor Baker, for uh, praying for us, opening us up this morning in a time of prayer to God. Be the glory. Amen. Well, today we are going to be continuing in Romans, and I do ask that you all bear with me as I may be a little slower today. Um, For those of you that don't know, I was out during the week, had um, some surgery, so I have to move a little bit slower so that I, you know, don't overexert, but we thank the Lord today because the the topic I want to talk about in this study is a right now word um, that we are more than conquerors, amen? And so the scripture that we're reading from is Romans chapter 8, and we're going to start at the 28th verse, 28th verse, and it reads, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the call according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called? Then he also justified. And whom he justified, then he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, For thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Hallelujah. I just thank and praise the Lord today. 
as this is that time when we're looking at being more than conquerors. Amen. And this is such a real rhema word for me today after having coming through major surgery on this week and, and even now having to move very slowly even on today. Um, but just knowing that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. And he has made us to be, you and I, we are conquerors. We are more than conquerors. And so verse 31, I want to look at and point that particular verse out. It says, what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, today, you know, um, a lot of times we look at certain things, and everything truly does have uh, a reason for happening. Everything happens for a reason. I've never believed that things just happen by chance. Uh, You know, a lot of times, you know, when someone passes away or someone dies, a loved one that we care so much for, uh, we often hear, you know, words saying to to those that are grieving, well, God knows, you know, this is the best. It's hard to understand, but God's got a plan. And I've been guilty of saying those things myself a lot of times because we just didn't have anything else to say, you know. Um, I've even had people in in times of loss within my own immediate family, you know, where uh, people would say, someday we'll understand why God did this. You know, but these are all variations to what the scripture is teaching us today. You know, it's all coming back to that basic, simple statement that everything happens for a reason. And so to make these statements, uh, it's like put us in a position of saying that our Heavenly Father, you know, that is a loving God, is responsible um, for everything, even the horrible tragedy the thing that, that sort of tears our heart to pieces, you know. This, but let me just say, this is not the belief, this idea. You see, this kind of thing might do real good in the nation of Islam. It might do real good in Buddhism. But it's not a biblical idea. Why? Because when we look at things, the law of, of cause and effect, it, it proposes that uh, there are reasons, or shall I say there are causes for all things that happen. Those are the effects. And at one level, this is true, but there are two places I want us to, to look at to consider first, that if we live in a world that's, uh, you know, mechanistic, then everything that happens is preordained because of the, the physical nature of the things that are involved. And if this is correct, then it means that there is no free will because everything we do is just merely a result of some type of chemical process that's in the brain. And so this is the worldview of science without God. But when we look at the difference here, you know, those who hold to the cause and effect worldview, uh, but you also believe in the Lord our God, you know, to say that the only exceptions to mechanical processes is God's deliberate uh, uh, manipulation of the forces of nature. In other words, these two choices tell you and I today that human tragedy, it comes either as a result of a process that was inevitable or it's an intentional intervention of God. 
See, everything happens for a reason. It's true. You know, and we've got to look at it in, in different ways. Tragedy, you know, when you see it in that way, uh, has to be a product either of some type of impersonal natural process or it's the willful action of a supernatural mighty God. And so this is not what most folks have in mind, though, when they say that everything happens for a reason. See, when, when generally when people say that, you know, make that kind of little statement and everything happens for a reason, you know, they're, they're, they're saying everything happens for a good reason. <laughs> and so the implication here is that something good always comes out of tragedy. I almost heard um, old robbers where something good is about to happen, you know, to you. This is what people believe, that something good is coming out of tragedy. Even if that means you and I got to wait a long time to experience it. See, all of this seems to have some type of biblical covering when, you know, uh, the verses, the scriptures come to light here. When we look at Romans chapter 8, verse 28. So we know that all things work together for good. We already know that. But how does this play out? you know, in reality, in our real life, especially when you and I are going through times of tragedy, because trust me, tragedy does come. We do have to face some things in our life that can be mind-boggling, can almost take our breath away. You know, is there, is there comfort, uh, uh, you know, in things that happen and everything for a reason? You know, so today we, we're looking at these verses today um, and looking at this particular lesson um, from the entire eighth chapter, and it gives us some biblical perspectives on things. Now, one of the things, even as I began to really look at this and to study this and to try to gain some greater understanding of this chapter, there was a, um, a Roman deity in Paul's day, was very popular, um, and I pray that those of you that are taking notes, as this is the school of the Bible, that you will write down the name of this particular goddess whose name was Fortuna, F-O-R-T-U-N-A, goddess Fortuna. And this was a Greek name that means fortunate one. Um, you know, Fortuna was even, uh, according to history, was equivalent um, to the Greek goddess Taishi, and her name meant fortune. So if you looked at even the Roman coins, um, of the first century, it, a lot of them uh, had an image of this particular goddess, Fortuna, on it. So the Romans believed that gods and goddesses like Fortuna were in control of destinies. Even much of uh, the, the uh, pagan religious activity was based on uh, either determining the will of these deities through some kind of divination or either influencing them through temple offerings uh, or worship. So the Romans believed that their gods were given to a certain or sudden, let me say that, you know, a quick change of behavior, which is just unreliable behavior. I'm just going to say it that way because when you're dealing with false, dumb idols, you know, ain't nothing reliable because it's not real. And so they believed that their fortunes, and even as you hear people say today, and sometimes it still sort of burns me when I hear it, especially saints of God, which says, well, good luck to you. Oh, it's, I don't, I, I, 
I just hate to, to say it, but I'm just, I have to be real. And it just gives me an irritant. Uh, You know, when I hear saints of God say, well, I wish you luck. Well, I don't believe in luck. You're either blessed or you're not. You know? But those that were, were pagan worshipers, they believed in luck and that that luck or that fortune could take a turn for the better or the worse, depending on how that particular idol uh, uh, felt or dealt with or how it, it, it deemed that issue necessary. But here in the book of Romans, Paul here is presenting to us a view of us as believers, our God, Yahweh, that is completely and totally different. So for those of you that are tuning in live right now that are just now tuning in, we are studying this morning from the book of Romans, and we are just now going through um, the review of the verses starting at verse 28. And so verse 28, it says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called, listen to this, according to his purpose. Isn't that something? And even you can see this particular verse here in this lesson, it's summarized even in the 18th verse. It says, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. See, these are good scriptures. I want to uh, quickly say that, especially for those of you that are perhaps new, um, you know, in, in Christ, and even for those of us that's been in, you know, in ministry or in church or, you know, for any length of time, uh, these are scriptures to commit to memorization. Uh, there are just some scriptures we need to have on the back burner. Um, you know, so that uh, when it's necessary, the Holy Ghost will bring back to our remembrance. So Paul here has a, I have a faith that I say is just unshakable. It's unmovable. You know, he's got that faith that all things are under the control of God and that all things work together for good to, to them that love God. See, faith in God means believing that he's in control of everything. Everything, anything, all things, every day, all day, hallelujah. There's nothing that's beyond his control. And our problem uh, uh, for us right now, right here today, is that our perspectives are just so limited. See, only God can see how all things work together for good. What you and I sometimes do and what people in general do is that we question why. You know, even when it comes to dealing with suffering, and that's a curse word because people don't want to suffer. You know, but we question, Lord, why? Why am I suffering? But our question should be, how long? See, the why is because um, of the human decision to turn away from God. How long is this suffering going to continue? The scripture said, even it encourages us, you know, to look at the word that says, until my soul is flooded again by God's love and comfort. As I looked at a couple of of backup scriptures for this, I went to Psalms chapter 6 and 3, and I'm just loving the Psalms. We've been going through, for those of you that are new for the first time, we've just been going through the Psalms, and my soul is just enjoying Jesus as I see the Lord so much in the Psalms. I've just got a new perspective on Psalms. But Psalms chapter 6, verse 3 says, My soul is also sore vexed 
but thou, O Lord, how long? And then chapter 94, verse 3, says, Lord, how long shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked triumph? And then Revelation chapter 6, verse 10, says, and they cried with a loud voice, saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? My goodness, isn't that something? So it wasn't a question as to why. The question was, how long? When we look at verse 29, it says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. See, Paul's confidence in God's control over all things, it extended beyond the, the present sufferings. This particular apostle, he, you know, uh, he is speaking of our future. He's also speaking about our past, and he's talking about these things in powerful ways. When you look at Psalms 139, verse 13, it shows us that God knows us intimately. Hallelujah. Such a wonderful thing to know that our Heavenly Father, he knows us. Now, sometimes people can say, oh, I know you, but truly they don't because there's only one who really knows us, and that is the Lord our God, our Creator. He knows all about us. He has known us even before our birth. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. People knows us. This means that there has been no past time when God was unaware of us. That brings such tears today, you know, because God knew us while we were in our mother's womb. He knew that you and I would be here today talking about this very subject on this morning. And then as we continue, we realize that, you know, God um, has always had a single deliberate plan for man, and that was to be conformed to the image of Jesus, his son. See, this is both a, a new creation and it's a recreation, you know, to be made in the image of Christ. This is to be restored to our original state of, of being, which was pure without being tainted, created in the image of God. And it is to be included among many brethren in that true family of God. See, Paul's description of Christ as the firstborn. Do you know that's a reference to his resurrection? We can actually see this if you're making notes. Uh, make a note of Colossians chapter 1, verse 18. For time's sake, we can't go through all of the verses, but please make a note so that you can go back in your personal time of study and to review that. See, the promise of our own resurrection, this is that, that ultimate hope that you and I have in the midst of our sufferings. Hallelujah. Verse 30 says, moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. 
My, my, my. God's so awesome. So now Paul is explaining, you know, in more detail this plan of God for our glorification. The although is elaborate and we see the troubling doctrines they've been offered to to explain the concept of predestination. It's a simple idea presented by Paul. And and when you look at the word predestinate, it means that God has made an earlier decision about our future. Hallelujah. Can't get no more simpler than that. When you think about a translation of a word, that's just simple. So God is not making this up as he goes. <laughs> you know, sometimes we sort of, you know, we, we just sort of go with the flow, as they say. You know, here, he's not doing that. He's in control of all things, even our destiny. And this predetermined plan, it's got three stages. First, God has called us. He's given us the opportunity to respond to the gospel of faith. Second, that response leads to being justified. There's a declared righteousness throughout faith in Jesus because of his sacrifice, you know, on our behalf, which we even talked about weeks ago in the third chapter of Romans. And then number three, that final stage, is our being glorified. I'm going to try to slow down here a bit. I can feel myself here as I get a little excited. The word excites me so. Hallelujah. But we can see that glorified when our own resurrections uh, take place. We're going to join Christ in heaven for all eternity. We can see that in 1 Corinthians. Chapter 15, verses 42 to 58. Verse 31, it says, What shall we then say to thee? If God be for us, who can be against us? My, my. The answer to these questions, they actually should be obvious to you and I. But it's important that we answer them if we are to understand Paul's meaning. The first question asks, what shall we then say to these things? In other words, what should our reaction be to our present sufferings and, and to the future hope of glorification? See, the answer is even implied in the second question. It says, if God be for us, who can be against us? Paul is amazing in how he, he puts certain things and how he let questions become, you know, lessons much like Jesus used parables for teaching messages. See, no one who matters for almighty God is the one who's in control. You know, only God is in control of all things. People that in general, you and I, that's not, it's not for us. We're not in control of all things, but God is. Now, I want you to think about something, you know, for those that are parents here, you know, uh, natural parents, what do you do for your children uh, on a regular basis? You reassure them that you love them. You know, you tell them and you teach them that God loves them and that he's going to be with them. Even when the family may have to go off, dad might have to go to work, mom may have to go to work, or the kids may have to go to school or whatever it might be. You know, I can remember always telling my son, I love you. You know, even now, at uh, 39 years of age, a grown big guy, and whenever he calls, and he calls every day, 
the first thing now I hear back the words that I used to say to him, I love you, Mom. And that's what we as parents, we do. We reassure our children that we love them. But most importantly, that God loves them. And so as I was reading about this, you know, in some countries, and there was one particular country that was Ukraine during the Soviet times, um, I saw that it was outlawed uh, for teaching young people or the youth about religion. And those that were caught doing so, they could have their children taken from them. See, the family knew that any night the police could literally come and do just that, take their children. And so the threat of separation, it hung over their heads for years. And it happened as the, the, the story went on as I continued to read that these parents, they taught their children about Jesus despite the danger. You know, and five of the seven siblings of a particular family ended up in Christian ministry. They led, they served vibrant churches that even after the fall of the communist government, they reached their communities in ways that was unimaginable during those Soviet times. Isn't that something? You know, grandchildren, they grew up to, to form the backbone for many ministries. And now the great-grandchildren are following in those same faithful footsteps. Here's what we set. You know, it's examples that we put in place. It is what we have to do to train up a child in the way he should go. And all of this that came about um, for those there in the Ukraine was because of two parents. They chose to obey God rather than man. Hardships will push us to either rely on God's strength to overcome our foes and fears. Or they're going to cause us to just give up and say, I'm, I'm done, that's it. If God, we have to recognize the fact, is for us, then there ain't no devil in hell that can stand against us. That's a bona fide fact. You can take that to the bank. Hallelujah. Verse 32 says that he that spareth not, who spared not his own son, <laughs> excuse me, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So the third question here, will God refuse to give us all things? See, Paul answers this within the question. He's something else. He's reminding us that God has already given us his greatest treasure. Who was that? Jesus Christ, his son. And it stands to reason that if God did not withhold the life of his own precious son, that then it's, it's unimaginable that God will withhold anything else. Verse 33 goes on to say, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Here's the fourth question. Who's capable of accusing us of not being righteous? of not being of God's elect. You know how people do? People will come up and they will say, oh, you know what, you ain't nothing. <laughs> you ain't righteous. You ain't holy. You're not of God. But the answer is the same as before the second question. No one that matters. God is the ultimate final judge, and he has justified us. 
That's why you ain't got to be fighting. You ain't got to prove anything to anybody. You just got to live holy. You just got to stand. See, this is telling us today that God counts us as innocent of all charges that might even be ever brought to bear. See, God's judgments are consistent, so we don't need to fear. We don't even have to even think that he would change his mind. Man will change his mind on you. Now, that you can take to the bank, but God won't. And so the phrase that we hear, God's elect, this Paul is referring to himself and other believers. This even connects uh, uh, back to verse 30. See, the call of God that leads to our glorification, it ain't some kind of uh, uh, a mysterious process. And some some Christian folks make everything like like it's mysterious. So that's why some folks, they, they so mysterious, they scary. You know? But it's God working out of his plan to restore us to his image and bring us to glorification through our own resurrection from the dead. These are the, the promises that comfort. These are the promises that gives you and I hope, even when we are suffering right now, today in our present day suffering. Verse 34 goes on to say, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God who also maketh intercession for us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Here goes question number five. Who is he that condemns? In other words, who even has the right to judge us guilty and, and therefore ineligible for uh, eternal life? Who is it? <laughs> He's like, I dare you. You know? One is Christ himself, because there is no man, natural man, that can do this other than the Lord himself. But man sometimes makes himself to be the one that can condemn and to judge. But it's only Christ. See, he was the one that was untainted by sin. And he's the only one who now sits in a position of judgment at the right hand of God the Father. But guess what? Such a condemnation. By Christ, it's even unthinkable. For even though we see that he, he has that right to condemn us, he died. And he rose again to do the very opposite. <laughs> the, the word, the scripture here says, who also maketh intercession for us. He's pleading for our case. Hallelujah. We thank God that he is there to intercede for us. Hallelujah. Verse 35 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Here we've got our sixth and final question. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? That is, who has the power to nullify the love that Christ has demonstrated for us in the past and he continues to do so in the present? Who? Can we be separated from from Christ's love by the hard times we deal with? 
you know, the tribulations, the distresses that comes with them, you know, the issues that come? No. Can our, our persecutors cause Christ to, to withhold his love for us? No. What about, you know, times when you just don't have enough finances, you know, to pay your bills or, or the lack of food for daily sustenance? Is that to, what can separate us from God's love? No. What about just not having the, the clothes, the, the houses, the cars, the money? Oh, my, the things that's necessary for warmth or just to give you some self-dignity. Can those things separate us from the love of Christ? No. What about personal danger, the threat of death unto Christ's love for us? Can that separate us from Christ's love? No. See, Paul himself is having us to look at things in a deep manner. Who is it that can separate us from the love of Christ? You know, there's nothing that can separate us. Paul even himself is going to die by the sword later. But we can be sure that he never doubts the love of Jesus. Even during that time that he has to face death, face to face, he is still talking about Jesus. How much more should you and I, when we go through tough times, when we go through persecuted times, when we go through times of mishaps, loss, hunger, not having, sometimes not even knowing from one day to the next how our ends are going to be met? Some of us may face or may be facing now, not knowing where we're going to lay our head on tomorrow. Some of us may be about to be cut off from everything and everybody, but who's going to separate us? Hallelujah. We're going to continue to lift up the name of Jesus in spite of all of that. Verse 36 says, as it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. See, Paul reveals how difficult his own path has been. In his worst times of trouble, and, and I tell you, Paul went through some tough times. He felt like a sheep, you know, being helpless. Paul was just honest with how he felt. He felt helpless. He felt he was being led to a place of killing and butchery. And this is an image that helps you and I identify even with Jesus himself because he was that sheep. He was led to a place where he was killed. You see, this is a a picture of Christ. So this applies to him as well. But praise God for the victory today. Hallelujah. Verse 37 said, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. All morning long, since about 4 o'clock this morning, God kept showing me pictures. I kept flipping and looking at different things 
not even looking for conquering. But the Lord kept giving me different things all morning long about being more than a conqueror. Hallelujah. And so this word is so alive in my very soul. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Paul gives that answer to, to the multiple conditions of hardship that he has set forth even in verse 35. We're not defeated you know, by by these trials. We're not just mere survivors either. Hello, don't get it twisted. You and I today on this first Sunday of August 2016, we are more than conquerors. Do you know this week I almost faced death. I saw it right there. I was partially asleep because they were afraid to put me fully to sleep through one process. And I saw them struggling to keep me alive. Hallelujah. But we praise God that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And so even though this morning, some of you, as you hear this, you may feel defeated. (laughs) You and those that even Paul wrote to, I want you to know that you are, in fact, you're a winner not a loser. I put a post out today in regards to some of the things the Lord kept giving me all morning long. You are not helpless sheep lined up for slaughter. You are the ultimate winners. You you are the ones that are receiving gold medals that's draped around your neck. Let me make something else very clear. Our victory is not what we've earned on our own skill or based on our merits, but it's one that has come through him, the Christ, the anointed one. He loves us. Outside those those external threats, they can't separate us from the love of Jesus. Don't let us separate ourselves by claiming a victory apart from him. See, we are the champions. My son used to sing that when he was a little boy. Thank you, Holy Spirit. (laughs) I just thought about that. He used to sing that song, We Are the Champions. I can hear it in my soul. But we are the champions solely because of Christ and his victory over what we talked about last week, those tyrants. We have the victory over sin, over death. And over the law, hallelujah. Verses 38 and 39 says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Paul ends with with, uh, four sets of possibility for being separated from the love of Christ. Hallelujah. And his list, I'm going to say, is a a wow thing. I I couldn't explain it no differently. All I could say is wow. (laughs) 
See, these are not questions, but answers to any possible objection that might even be raised by anybody who doubts the love of Jesus. The first set uh, is death to love. This is addressing uh, our mortality. Whether we are alive or dead, we're still bound to the love of Jesus. Hallelujah. This is that assurance that there is an existence beyond this current life and that our loving God, he will not abandon us to the grave. Hallelujah. The second set is angels to principalities. This is addressing some spiritual realities. See, neither good spiritual forces nor evil ones have any capability to sever our connection with Christ's love. Glory. Hallelujah. Paul understands Christ's victory over death as a defeat of the evil spiritual powers. They're still able to cause us grief. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But they can't isolate us from Jesus and his love. Thank you, Jesus. Paul's third set, it addresses the possibilities of separation from a time perspective. See, there's nothing in the current time period, that's the things present, and there's nothing in the future time period, uh, things to come, that can separate us from the love of Jesus. Nothing now, nothing tomorrow, nothing a year from now, nothing a thousand years from now. That's it, that's all. And the fourth set, it's hyped to death. This is present. You know, this presents a, a spectrum here. There is nothing too high, glory. You know, whether it's the highest mountain, I, I, I you know, try to think of that highest mountain, but whether it's the highest mountain or the <laughs> heaven itself uh, to cut us off from Jesus, there ain't no place that's so high. There ain't no place that's so low. What's that song I think that um, Diana Ross never used to sing? Ain't no mountain high enough. Ain't no valley low enough. Ain't no river wide enough, you know, to separate us from God's love. There is no place, you know, not even in the underworld that can cause us to lose our connection with Jesus. And so the final category of any other a creature is an inclusive, it's a catch-all to refer to any created thing imaginable. God has shown us that he has no inclination, there is no intention to withhold his love for us. Man may withhold his love, but God certainly will not. God has proven this love through the giving of his precious son as the necessary sacrifice for our sin. And what a way to see Jesus today of all days, the first of a, of, of a new month here on Communion Sunday. It's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. And so since we don't have to doubt God's love, we don't need to fear any possible scenario where we can be separated from this, you know, this marvelous love. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And so in my conclusion for our study on today, we might feel sometimes that our lives are 
unimportant since we don't belong to, you know, a, a high visibility. You know, we're not in some kind of power conference. Uh, sometimes people do feel like, you know, they have daily struggles um, to love and to obey God and that it is insignificant that they, you know, they've got stuff that they don't seem very influential. But it's okay. You know, all of us, I want you to know today, and I want you to be encouraged, that all of us are important to God. See, that's not the perspective of the entire eighth chapter of Romans. All people are valuable to the Lord. He gave his son, Jesus, as a sacrifice for the sins of all people. It's not just for the rich or the famous. Hello? See, when Paul shouts that we are more than conquerors, he don't leave, you know, some of us out. When, when the apostle roars or says out loud and, and proclaims that nothing can separate us from the love of God, he doesn't follow with a list of exceptions. Let's live each day in the full assurance that God will never pull his love from us, and that we will, you know, uh, overcome the world through our faith in Jesus. Hallelujah. I want to pray for those of you today that you may have been in a place in your life where you have felt like, you know what, I just have felt like at one time like giving up, but today I'm encouraged. I want to pray for you on this morning. Each person that has listened to this lesson today, as we're even preparing to go into the next phase of our service, it's going to be a little different this morning, you know, but as we prepare to even partake in the Lord's Supper, I pray that you have come already ready with everything that is necessary to partake in the Lord's Supper before the morning message today. I want to pray for you. Hallelujah. We're going to do this. The, the prayer of repentance as well fully. But for someone that may not can stay for the morning worship, if you don't know Jesus, today is a good day. This is the right time. This is a perfect time to come to know the Lord, to allow him to come into your life. That for those of you that you need to rededicate your life, and let me just be honest, that's all of us, because we all need to rededicate our lives today. Because at some point or another, we've all slipped up, we've all messed up, and we've all come short of his glory. And so today we pray. Father, we come before you now, being open, being honest, laying ourselves at your feet. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us of our times of not recognizing what you have said to us in your word. We thank you, Lord, today that even when we have felt abandoned, you never left us alone. Help us this day to take heart in the promises that we have heard on this morning, that we are never separated from you and from your love, not even for a moment. Help us today, O oh God, to dry up the tears from our eyes and to help us to recognize and to receive the warmth of your love today. Father, for those that are not saved, we pray right now that they will lift their hands before you 
and that they will cry out before you, Lord, save my soul. I'm a sinner in need of being saved. Forgive me of all unrighteousness. Forgive me for doing wrong. Help me to walk upright this day. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins and that he rose with all power in his hand. I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ, he is Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to know that if you pray that prayer today, those of you that did not know Jesus, that today you're a new creation. For those that have been here or been in Christ, that today has been a new day for you, that what happened yesterday is no more. Matter of fact, what happened a few moments ago is no more. It's under the blood. You have rededicated your life, and we are new creations in Christ Jesus. The old has been passed away, and behold, all things have become known. I want you to remember that this thought go with you today. Remember, never doubt God's love for you. Never doubt it. Never compare God's love with the love of natural man. God's love will never fail. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. I want to thank and praise the Lord for each and every one of you that have joined us live here. I'm Apostle Rose White, the senior pastor here at the Kingdom of God Fellowship Church. We're located right here in Reedsville, North Carolina, and we're just so grateful for those of you that thought it not robbery to be here with us for another school of the Bible. We enjoy these times when we can go into the Word of God because we grow through the Word of God. Amen. And so we want to continue um, to also announce and we pray that if you have not been with us during the weekday, oh, my goodness, we want you to come. Join us Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. Eastern Time right here on our Talk Show uh, radio broadcast for our Morning Manor to Live by broadcast. You know, take the journey with us. As last week we had just a wonderful time, and I do want to just thank the Lord for the saints of God that rallied around me and every person um, that was on post, and they filled in, oh, my goodness, my My soul is just rejoicing today, and as I've been going back and listening to the archive, I've just been so blessed by everything that took place on last week in my absence. You know, God is so faithful, and to me, that's love. Hallelujah. And so we want to invite each of you to come and join us um, every morning. The number is the same number that you dial today, but with a different meeting ID. That meeting ID is 120473, or 140273, I'm sorry. Um, I'm still under medication, so I'm going to try not to give a wrong number. Um, but just in case I do, please view our website at www.klgfellowshipchurch.org and click on the News tab um, to be able to make sure you have the right codes um, for our Morning Manor broadcast. And then join us here every Wednesday night right here on Talk Shoe for our Disciples Life class. 
using the same number and meeting ID that you used this morning. It's all about the kingdom, and it's all about the word of God. My words mount to nothing, but God's word mounts to everything. So join us each and every weekday. Amen. Amen. Well, right now, what we're going to do on this morning, we're going to go ahead and um, and do our preliminaries because we're going to go right into our service because I, we're going to do our uh, partaking of the Lord's Supper first today. Amen. And um, and then we are going to have we've got our our speaker that's going to be coming forth. Um, to speak for us this morning, to give me a, a chance to, to take that rest from this morning. Don't want to overexert. Amen. But uh, we're excited about what the Lord is doing. And I want you to know that, you know, during this time, this is, I am going to be asking for partners, um, those that will continue to pray for us. We definitely do need partners of prayer, prayer partners. Um, and then we also need those partners that will continue to sow a seed. I want you, this is that offering time. And so every time and every seed that you sow here in the Kingdom of God Fellowship Church, and we are located in Reedsville, I have to make that clear, because the Kingdom of God Fellowship Church is being called by even others um, in other cities. And so we don't want anyone to get a misunderstanding of where they're sending their seed to. So when you hear of another church that may go by the name of Kingdom of God Fellowship Church, um, if you don't see my name attached to it, oh, it's not located in Reedsville, then you're going to know that's not us. Amen. And so every seed that you sow here in the kingdom of God, it allows us to continue our broadcast, to continue to advance into greater avenues of ministering the word, to be able to purchase items, to, to keep the doors of the church house open. And we're so grateful for that. And our ministry model that the Lord gave to me on last year, clearly and distinctively, um, that purpose and that mandate is to touch people, to train leaders, and to teach ministry. That's what God spoke to me. And I began posting that even on all of our marketing materials. We are a teaching and evangelistic ministry. And so your financial gifts allows us to continue to move forward in building the kingdom of God. This is not to build ourselves. We're not looking at building houses for ourselves, purchasing fine cars. We're not looking at adding on to ourselves, but it's only for the purpose of kingdom building. So give generously. Consider becoming a faith partner. Commit. We thank God for those of you that have been giving. To God be the glory. And blessed is your faithfulness. You will not go unrewarded. Your financial gifts are tax deductible. And for those um, that give your gifts um, of $100 or more, uh, we are going to be uh, seeing that you get a prayer shawl. Um, to use in your time of prayer and consecration. It's so important. In one week, we are going to be talking about the prayer shawl and the purpose of the prayer shawl. Sometimes some people take it out of perspective and they go a little looney tune about the prayer shawl, but we need to understand um, the use of the prayer shawl, um, how to use it, how not to use it, because some things people take it into the ridiculous. Um, But we want to make sure that the saints of God um, can get a prayer shawl, that you have a prayer shawl. So make your your checks payable to KOGFC, which represents the Kingdom of God Fellowship Church, and you can mail your checks right to our church address, and that's at 337 South Scale Street, 
Unit D, Reedsville, North Carolina, 27320. Again, that's 337 South Scale Street, Unit D, Reedsville, North Carolina, 27320. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. To God be the glory. Well, for all of those of you that have to leave, we just want to pray God's richest blessings be upon you. We are not going to do any kind of benediction at this time. We're just going to move right ahead, right into our morning worship service, and we'll continue, amen, to worship the Lord on today. Hallelujah. Let Jesus lead you. Let Jesus lead you, let Jesus lead you all the way, all the way from earth to heaven. Let Jesus lead you all the way. He's a mighty good doctor all the way. He's a mighty good doctor. All the way, all the way from earth to heaven, let Jesus lead you all the way. He's a mighty good leader all the way. He's a mighty good leader all the way, all the way from, hallelujah, to heaven, let Jesus lead you all the way, hallelujah, hallelujah, let Jesus lead you, hallelujah, all the way, hallelujah, Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we just come to you this morning, thanking you, O God, for this day. We thank you, Father, for our life, our health, our strength. We thank you, Father, for just blessing us to arise early this morning, to be able to see a new day, to see the beginning, O God, of new and greater things. We thank you, Father God, because it is a new day. It's a new dawning. It's a new beginning. This is a new month, a new beginning. Hallelujah. And so, Father, we thank you. We thank you for this Sunday morning, oh God, and we give you praise, glory, and honor. We thank you for all of those that have been with us for our School of the Bible. We're thanking you now as we prepare to go into our time of partaking in the Lord's Supper. We thank you for those that are here that are continuing with us. We thank you for every person that is sowing a seed on this morning. And, Father, right now we ask that you would bless the seed giver. And, Father, that you would give back to them that 30, that 60, that 100-fold. We thank you, Father God, that as they give out being cheerful, being a cheerful giver, oh, God, that you would give back to them that good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. We call forth increase into their life, God. And we thank you right now, oh, God, for the gifts that shall run them down. They don't have to go running for the gifts, but the gifts will run after them. We thank you right now that they are being blessed in the city and blessed in the field. We thank you that we can decree and declare that they're blessed going out and they're blessed coming in. And so, Father, we thank you. We give you praise and we give you glory and we give you honor, even for this part of the service that we're entering into now. For it's in Jesus' name we pray and we say amen. Hallelujah. 
Amen and amen to God be the glory. Amen. Well, this time, at this particular time, we are going to get ready um, to, to partake of the Lord's Supper. And when we look at this part, it's, it's the shortest part of a service, uh, but it's so important. You know, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 27, starting at the 27th verse through uh, verse 32, it says, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And for this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Hallelujah. And so today, this is where we want to begin. We want to to examine ourselves, you see, because if we say that we've been perfect, we've lied. We have not been perfect because none that lives in this flesh are perfect. And so today, we don't want to eat unworthy because the Bible says many are weak, many are sick, and many are asleep. Do you know that sleep is talking about death? There have been many who have died. And so our prayer today is actually going to be coming from a song. And this song, which is Psalm 51, is so important because it covers so many areas today. And so I pray that you will be able to to read even along with me as this is our prayer today of repentance, Psalms chapter 51. And it says, have mercy upon me, O God. Let this become your personal prayer of repentance today. According to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin. My mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, 
and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire a sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite spirit. These, O God, you will not despise. Do good in your good pleasure to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you shall be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then they shall offer bulls on your altar. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Today we give God praise, hallelujah, today for cleansing us of all unrighteousness, for all ungodliness, for those that have just tuned in or listening to us via the Internet, those who are in the chat room, if you're with us for the very first time, perhaps you don't know Jesus, hallelujah. We want to pray with you even before we go. We've got to learn to take a little moment before we partake in the Lord's Supper because it's such an important uh, thing that we do. It's an ordinance that has to be done in the church, in the house. Hallelujah. It's an important issue. Hallelujah. And so today, right where you are, if you don't know Jesus, This thing is personal, and you've got to be open and honest about it. You can't fake this. You've got to tell the truth. It's between you and God. But those of you that will be honest, I want you to raise your hands before the Lord, and I want you to pray this prayer right along with me. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I acknowledge to you that I am a sinner. I am sorry for my sins and the life that I have lived. I need you to forgive me. I believe that Jesus Christ, your only begotten son, that he shed his blood on the cross and died for my sins. And, God, I want to turn away from all sin. God, you said in your word that if we confess the Lord, and believe in our hearts that God raised Jesus from the dead, we shall be saved. Right now, I confess Jesus as the Lord of my soul. I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, and I accept him as my personal Savior. And as he has said in the word, I am saved today. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace, which has saved me from my sins. Thank you for your grace and mercy that has led me to repent. Lord, transform my life so that I may bring glory and honor to you alone and none to myself. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I tell you that if you pray that prayer, hallelujah, the angels in heaven are rejoicing. Hallelujah. And this morning we too here, we rejoice with you because that's a sweet sound in the ears of the Lord. Hallelujah. Just one who comes to know Christ. Just one who turns from their wicked way unto Jesus. That's a sweet thing. Hallelujah. For all others, those of you that are here, just want to pray. Hallelujah. As we did, even as we closed out, there may have been others that have joined us here on today. And we all need to rededicate our lives. Today is just one of those days. Hallelujah for me. Hallelujah. It's so important that we get right, church. It's no time to play church because life is so delicate. We can be here today and gone today. Hallelujah. You know, and we want to make sure that when we leave, we get it right. That when we leave and become absent in the body, that we'll be present with the Lord. And so I want those of you, all others, that saying, you know, I'm saved, but I want to rededicate my life. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Father, you told us in your word, according to 1 John 1 and 9, that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I confess my sins to you now, and I repent today. I make a qualified decision that this day I shall stay in your word. I shall continue to fellowship with you so that I may live successfully in you. Father, I thank you now, hallelujah, for looking beyond my faults and helping me to walk upright every single day for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we give you praise. Hallelujah. Oh, God, we give you praise on today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I pray that you now have your juice and your cracker or whatever you use for communion. Hallelujah. And I want you to take that up at this particular time. Hallelujah. Take your bread and hold that up. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take ye. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take and eat. Hallelujah. 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 Take your cup and lift it up to heaven. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Go ahead and let's 
and drink. Hallelujah. The word tells us that for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood for me. One day when I was lost, Jesus died on the cross. And I know it was the blood for me. Yes, I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood for me. One day when I was lost, Jesus died on the cross. And I know it was the blood for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To God be the glory. Hallelujah. Well, we again are so grateful. Hallelujah. For those of you, we know that the different, what, the service was a little bit different on this morning, but we are continuing. We wanted to do the Lord's Supper in the beginning rather than at the end at this time because we also know that God has a, a message and a word for us this morning. And so I want to quickly get ready to move out of the way. And at this time, I am going to bring forth uh, Pastor Barbara Baker, who we just thank God for so very much, who is the associate pastor here at the Kingdom of God Fellowship Church. She works very hard um, right alongside of me, right in the house, and she just steps in and just does so much. She works so hard behind the scenes along with all of the other members of the Kingdom of God Fellowship Church. We just thank God for you all on today. And so I pray for those of you that are new here for the very first time, those of you that have not heard Pastor Baker on today, that you will come with your ears on, that you will come with your Bible and your pad, that you will come with your heart ready to receive what the Spirit of the Lord has to say to us through God's anointed vessel. Amen. And so we're going to call Pastor Baker to come forth in her own way to minister to our hearts on this morning. And let's greet her with a hearty amen. 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 Good morning, everyone. Amen. We thank and praise God for another opportunity to be here this morning and to share with you that which God has laid in my heart. So I ask that you would go with me to the Lord in prayer. Amen. And I don't plan to be before you, but we're going to be led by the Spirit of the Lord this morning, if that's okay. Amen. Father, we do bless you this morning. We honor you and we glorify your name. Lord, I love you this morning. And I just thank you for the word that have already gone forth this morning. I thank you, Lord, for just surely goodness and mercy this morning. I thank you for your great love. I thank you for tender mercies. Now, Father, as I come before you, I ask that you would look upon me, hide me behind the cross of character. It is no longer I, but you, the Christ that liveth inside of me. It is not my will, but thy will be done. It is not my words, but, Lord, you cause your word to come forth this morning. 
Lord, through power and might and under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, that their hearers will be edified, that they will be built up, that their hearts and their spirits will be quickened according to your word. We ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Have your way today, Lord. Strengthen us, O God. But we blot out this morning all distractions this morning on the airways this morning. We bind up the plan and purposes of Satan this morning, and we loose your power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost this morning on every hearer this morning, every listener this morning. Father, we're believing by faith that you're going to do great and mighty things. In Jesus' precious name, we do praise you, and we thank you this morning. Amen and amen. Praise the name of the Lord this morning. I'm going to ask with you that you go with me to Jeremiah, the seventh chapter, beginning at the first verse. And I think we're going to read up until the seventh verse. Amen? And all week long, I think for maybe a couple of weeks and a half now, about a week and a half, I've heard the Lord speak and say, amend your ways and doings. And that's our topic today. God is calling us to amend our ways in our doing. Jeremiah 7, 1, and out of the King James Version of the Bible. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all ye of Judah that enter into these gates to worship the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. Trust ye not in lying words, saying, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. The temple of the Lord are these. For if you thoroughly amend your ways and your doings, if you thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, if you oppress not the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, and shed not innocent blood in this place, neither walk after other gods to hurt to your hurt, then will I cause you to dwell in this place, in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. In this section of the gospel, the Lord had sent Jeremiah, hallelujah, to the children of Israel, to the children of Judah. He sent them there to confront the false belief that they, that God will not allow harm to come to them because of the temple, because they dwelt, the temple dwelt with them. Amen. They have this false sense that as long as they was in the presence of the temple, and as long as they lived close to the temple, that they were protected by the temple. So Jeremiah was sent to prophesy to them about this false hope that they had. Now, this, the word came to him. We don't know where it was, when he was told to preach, but we know that he had to go and that it had to be preached. In the, in the gates of the Lord's house. So Jeremiah went into the gates of the Lord's house. And at the gates of the house is where everyone entered in the outer court or the court of the people. It affronted the priests and exposed the prophets to their rage. Now what happened when Jeremiah went, the prophets, the priests did not receive what Jeremiah had to say. 
Now, we can liken that to the people of the church today. When God sent a word to his priests and those that are his pastors or his leaders, a lot of times that word that God sent is not always going to be received. Because when God sent a word to the prophets and took by the prophet to the priest or to the pastor, sometimes it's not always a good word because God is not always pleased with the things that we do. Amen? So Jeremiah was sent into the gates of the house of the Lord to proclaim this word. And when he spoke this word that God had told him, the priest became enraged. It's like, how dare you come into our providence and our precinct and bring this message? Okay? But the prophet must not fear man. When God has called us to give a word to his people, we can't fear man. Because if we don't speak and do what God tells us to do, we're not going to be pleasing to God. It says, to whom it must be preached. This message was to the men of Judah that entered into these gates to worship the Lord. And it says it was probably one of these, one of the three feasts, when all the males from all parts of the country were to appear before the Lord in the court, in the house, and to, not to appear empty. See, God just didn't send Jeremiah to a place where there would not be a people because he wanted the leaders to know his heart. God sent Jeremiah to the leaders, to the priests, those that had authority, those who were over people. God wanted Jeremiah to reach and tell them what thus saith the Lord of God. And it is believed that it was at one of the feasts that Jeremiah began to speak this word because at the feast, all the male men would come together. Amen, that all the men would come together, and they would all enter into that gate, a place of worship, to hear God or to be preached to. And so Jeremiah would send there that he could reach more people because once he began to speak to those priests, he knew that they had to go back and say what God had said or they were supposed to go back and tell the people what God had said. So he wasn't just speaking to one or two people, God put him in a place where he was able to speak and reach the masses. Amen? So the content and the scope of his sermon itself is, is delivered in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, who commanded the world, the covenant with his people. As creatures, we are bound to regard the Lord of hosts, and as Christians, the God of Israel. What he said to them, he says to us right now, as much as in the time in which John the Baptist, those who were baptized in Matthew 3, 8, and 9, God is requiring, he's telling Jeremiah that they need to bring forth fruit, meet for repentance, and think not to save that within yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. The priest felt like, well, we have the temple with us. So we are protected by the temple. It's a false hope. And many times today in the church, the people of God are living with a false hope. You hear people say that, uh, I've been saved all my life, or I've been in a church all my life, or uh, they feel that they're saved because grandma was in a church or grandpa was in a church, and they were sprinkled with some water. But here 
Jeremiah clearly lets them know none of these things are going to protect you if you don't obey God. You can't hide behind your religious, your religiosity. You can't hide behind the temple of God because God requires meat for repentance or fruit from repentance. Now, that word amen means to reform by quitting bad habits to make it better. It means to change, to correct, to supply, to improve, or to make better. A man needs to grow to become better by reformation. So God is calling the leaders of Israel and the men of Judah to change what they are doing. God is calling up America today to change what we're doing. He said, amend your ways and your doing. You can't no longer hide behind what mama did and what daddy did. There is no excuse. You can't hide behind, I go to church every Sunday, and I'm in Bible study, everybody study every Wednesday night, or I go to church, and I'm in church 24-7. None of those things are going to save you. None of those things are going to protect you if you don't change. That's why the Bible says repent. We have to turn away from our sin. We can't hide behind sin. The Bible says sin is a reproach to any nation or to any people. So God is calling for repentance, to turn around, to bring fruit or meat, to show that we're changing our ways. God is calling the people of God to stop what we're doing because what we're doing is not pleasing to God. This is what was happening at this time when God sent Jeremiah to Judah. It was during the time that Josiah had died, and all the good that he had done was being reversed. They was going back to idolatry. They was going back and doing everything that Josiah had changed. They were falling back into adultery. And so God was displeased. And God told Jeremiah to go to the men and proclaim these words. And he said, hear ye the word of the Lord, O ye of Judah that enter into at these gates to worship the Lord. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your doings. God is calling us to change what we're doing because for so long we have gone to church and we've hid in the temple saying, because I go to the temple, I'm free, I'm saved, I'm going back with the Lord, but not true. Thanks to God, don't be deceived. It is not true. God said if we turn away from what we're doing, if we change our habits, if we correct those things that are wrong, I heard Apostle Rose this morning, and the Bible says, who shall lay anything to lay any charge to the elect of God? Nobody. But it's when we understand it. It's when we fail to obey the word of God, we can't walk under that blessing. Amen. There are blessings out there for the believers. The Bible tells us we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus if we are in him. Sin separates. Sin cut us 
enjoy the blessings of the Lord. Now, he said he never leave us nor forsake us, but when we sin, when we neglect to confess our sins, when we neglect to bring fruit unto repentance, turn around and do those things that are right, we cannot enjoy the blessings of the Lord. Why? Because that sin has built a wedge between us. Has God gone? No. Does he love us? Yes, he does. But he doesn't love the sin that we're in. Amen? He said if we would turn away from our doing, if we would amend our ways. You see, the Bible says that God's heart for us, you know, he said he knows his thoughts towards us. He knows what it is that he desires for us. God has a plan and a purpose and an expected end for us. But it's only, only if we obey him. It's only if we turn away from our sins. It's only if we acknowledge him and walk after him and seek after him. You see, there's a big if. I call it the if condition. And you read that, I believe, in John 15. If you abide in the vine, if you, you know, we're branches. We got to abide in the vine. And if we don't abide in that branch, we can't bear forth fruit. Who is the vine? Jesus Christ is that true vine. So in order for us to bring forth fruit unto righteousness, we have to abide in him. And in order for us to experience the blessings and the overflow of God that she talked about this morning, hallelujah, about us being more than conquerors, hallelujah, that us being more than victors this morning in Christ Jesus, we have to abide in the vine, the true vine, which is Jesus Christ. We cannot walk in our own ways. We cannot talk the way we want to talk. We can't think the way we want to talk. We have to amend our ways. We have to change what we're doing. Salvation, when it comes, it changes us. It transforms us. It reforms us. It takes us into a new life. It brings new thinking into our hearts and our minds. Amen. When we get saved and we're truly saved, the song says, the things that I used to do, I don't do no more. The places I used to go, I don't go no more. And the way I used to act, I don't act like that no more. Why? Because of the power of God coming in my life and transforming me, teaching me, showing me how to correct those things in my life. The Bible tells us that we are to be renewed daily in our mind, that we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind daily. How are we going to be transformed by the renewing of our mind? By his word. We can no longer hide behind mama and daddy, what mama said and what daddy did. We can no longer live a mama prayer and daddy prayer and grandma prayer. The Bible says, except we repent, we will not see the kingdom of heaven. We will not experience the blessings of the Lord, not the way that we should. Because we have to remember that God allows it to rain on the just and on the unjust, because that's the kind of God he is. People say, well, we're all God's children. No, we're all God's creation. We're all God's creation. And God loves everybody. He loves his creation. But God does not understand me. He does not have pleasure in those who reject and denounce him. He just does not. And when we live under that gay and lesbian and homosexuality, they're not the children of God because they don't obey God. 
Jeremiah here has been called to go and tell the priest to proclaim this word that they need to amend their ways and their doing, that God is not pleased at what they're doing. They're trusting in lying lips. They're doing every abominable thing in the house of God. They're allowing sin to run rapid, and God is not pleased with it. And because he brought this message, they wanted to kill him because they felt like he wasn't speaking from God. And see, that's the way it is today. People believe if you're not speaking houses and land and you're not speaking about all this great wealth and all this stuff, you're not speaking from God because that's what God wants us to have. Yes, he does want us to have that. But the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness shall be added unto you. Amen? So we don't have to wait for somebody to tell us what it is that God is going to give us because it is plain. It's in the word. God said he wished that we prosper and be in good health, even as our soul prosper. So it's in the word. The Bible tells us that we're heirs and we're joint heirs with Christ Jesus, and everything he has belongs to us. It's in his word. The Bible says the cattle on the thousand hills belong to him, all the gold is belongs to him. So every blessing and every promise belongs to us as long as we walk in obedience to his word. You see, there is a condition. We have to meet the condition. Salvation is free because Jesus paid the price. But you and I have to pay a price to maintain that salvation, to maintain that relationship. And the priest at this time was hiding behind the temple of God or the presence of the Lord or I'm a priest or I'm a pastor, I'm an apostle. We can't hide behind that. We have to be hid and covered by the blood of Jesus. The Bible says, except for the remission of sin, except for the shedding of the blood, there remains no remission of sin. We can't hide behind mama and daddy. We have to repent and turn away from our sins and ask Jesus into our heart. And so the priest wanted to hide behind the temple, okay? And Jeremiah rebuked the people for their empty religion and their adultery and the shameless behavior of the people and their leaders. Judah, he says, is right for judgment and exile. This came to pass during the reign of Jehoiakim, a puppet of Egypt. The nation at this time, like I said, was being shocked by the death of Josiah. They had allowed all that Josiah had done had entered back into the church. Now, if we can put ourselves right here, we can see ourselves, we can see the church right where Judah was. There was the old landmark, the Bible said, return to the old landmark. I can remember going to church, okay? And I can remember when they used to call the people the holy rulers. And they had the long white dresses and the long white long johns and they had the, the dawn and the caps on their head and the white shoes. All they did was wear white. But everybody knew that those people was to be feared and they were to be reverent. And when you went into the presence of those people, you felt the power of God. You, When they prayed, something happened. That's why the Bible said, return unto the old landmark. 
It's time for the people of God to amend our ways and our doing, to go back and start doing those things that caused us to come to the Lord. See, everything that the older people did was not wrong. They didn't have as much knowledge as we have today. But they knew how to get in contact with God. They knew if they lived a holy life dedicated unto the Lord, they knew that God would answer their prayer. They knew that God would save. They knew that God would come and heal. They knew that God would answer prayer. And that's why they could save themselves. If you call on Jesus, he will answer prayer. I can remember being young, and I didn't know why I went to church, because I surely did not want any of that, because their head was nappy, their dresses was long, and it was just not my thing. And I told the Lord, mm-mm, just being saved, I want none of this. But you know what? I know it was the prayer. I know it was the prayers of my mom cousin. I know it was when I used to go to church and walk with her so she wouldn't walk by herself. I know it was her prayers that saved me, that caused me to come to repentance. I didn't hide. I couldn't hide behind what they was doing. But the prayer of the righteous, it does avail much. Amen. God's prayer reaches where we can't reach. And so Jeremiah was rebuking the people because they had turned away from the truth of God. Saints of the Most High, we have turned away from the truth of God. And God is calling us to come back. Come back to the truth. Fix those things that we have broken. Go back and do the things that he called us to do. Go back and change our ways. He said, if you thoroughly, he said, first, if you thoroughly amend your ways. Now, if you want to really, really, now, God is not playing. He told them, now, if you thoroughly change what you're doing. You see, God never comes with a curse without a blessing. He never comes without a warning without a blessing. God has warned the men and women of Judah, the priests of Judah. Now turn around. Turn around because my heart for you is judgment. All I see is my judgment against you. But because I love you, because you are mine, I am sending you warning. Now isn't that just like God? That's why the angels say, behold, what manner of love that God has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. You know, the angels in heaven can't even understand. They say, what is this man that thou art mindful of him? Hallelujah. Who is this man who rebels against you, who does not acknowledge you? What is it about this man? What is it about this man that you have bestowed such great love and such great passion and such great mercy upon? Who is this man? We serve a God that is merciful and kind, and his thoughts towards us is always good. But we always have to do our part. You see, God is always going to do his part. But we have a part to say. For he said, if you thoroughly amend your ways, and your doings. That means if you thoroughly consider what I'm telling you, if you thoroughly reconcile and recompense and go back and fix those things that are broken, change those things that are not right, do what is right. The Bible tells us that you do good for us to do what's right. 
He said, and if you thoroughly do these things, he said, if you execute judgment between a man and his neighbor. You know, the Bible tells us that we're not to have respected persons. But if you go to the house of God today, you can see God's people being just as separated and divided. To denominate, the word denomination means to divide. That's why we're in denomination today, because we're divided. We're not speaking the same thing. We're not saying the same thing, but we're saying we serve the same God, lies all lies, because there is no difference in the God we serve. He doesn't have respect of person, and his judgment is right. You know, a lot of times we like to give favor to those who have, and we want to show them mercy and grace. But for those who don't have, we tend to be harsh and unmerciful in the time. But the Bible is telling the priest, if you thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, if you do what's right, God is calling us to do us right today, saints. He's calling us to have a do-right heart, amen, without respect of person. He's calling us to a man to go back to fix those things. Many times we're critical of other people because they don't look like us, because they don't walk like us, because they don't talk like us, and we become critical. We become unjust. We don't have mercy. We don't have kindness. But the Lord said, amend your ways. Go back and correct those things, for I am a merciful God. The Bible tells us that we're to have the mind of Christ, that we're to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're to have that same mind that he has, that we, oh God, begin to execute judgment, that we begin to judge righteousness, that we begin to love fully and without hypocrisy, that we begin to love without respect the person, and that we have the heart of God. So he was telling the priest, this is what I want. I believe she read a scripture, sacrifices of bull and bullets is not what God wants. He wants a broken heart and a contrite spirit this morning. He wants us to turn from our sins. He wants us to recant, turn around, and go back and do the things that we used to do. I think they return to your first love, to do your first work over. He called to the, uh, the, the church of the Laodicea, the seven churches of Asia, in Revelations 2 and 3. He began to talk to the seven churches, and he got to the Laodicea church. He said, I know your work. You need a heart or you're cold, but I wish that you were because you're lukewarm and you make me sick. Let me tell you, the churches are lukewarm. This morning, we're halting between two opinions. We're standing and straddling the fence. We got one feet in the house of God and one feet in the house of the devil. But the Lord said, amend your ways this morning because you're making me sick, because you're not hot, you're not cold, you're hiding behind your religiosity, you're hiding behind the choir, you're hiding behind the usher board, you're hiding behind the pastor, you're hiding behind the motherboard and the sister board, you're hiding. But God said, come out and amend your ways and your doing and execute justice and judgment this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah between a man and his neighbor. He said, if you oppress not the stranger, don't oppress people. You know, we have a we don't even have a heart for people. Oh God, help us. Last time I told you we are the welfare system. We are the hands that God is calling to use to reach out to the poor and the needy. God is calling us 
to be that welfare system to provide for those that are needy, to provide for those that are homeless, to provide for the widows and those that are without. We are the hands of God. And we're not to oppress them. We're not to take advantage of them. We're not to shun from them. We're to give everything we have for the kingdom of God. We're not to oppress the strangers. We're not to oppress the fatherless and the widow. And we're not to shed innocent blood in the place, in this place, in the house of God. And let me tell you, there's more ways than taking a knife or taking a gun and shed innocent blood. For those leaders out there, those pastors, those apostles and prophets and bishops and we share innocent blood every time we fail to get up and tell God's people the truth. Every time we get up and we don't preach the unadulterated gospel of the kingdom, we're shedding innocent blood, and that blood is going to be required at our hand. So the Bible said we're not to shed innocent blood in this place, in the house of God. Blood is being shed daily. God's people are being led astray because they don't want to study. They don't want to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Many of them are being mesmerized by all the entertainment that is going on in the church. God's people are being entertained, that they are being so mesmerized, that they lack the love of God. They don't come to church to hear the word of God. They don't come to church truly to worship God. They come to church that they can be entertained because the church is the biggest entertainment work center in the world. Now, you don't have to go to the college. You don't have to go to all the shows. Just go to church. Go to church. From the time you get in there, there is such entertainment in the church. And God's people, uh, their blood has been shed because why? They're not being fed properly. There's malnutrition in the word, in the house of God. Why? Because people are not being taught the truth. People don't even pick up their Bible anymore. People just believe whatever's been thrown out there anymore. They're no longer seeking the Lord for themselves. They're no longer crying out to God for themselves. So they go to church and they entertain and they hear the hoop and the holler and then they go out the door. But their lives don't change. But today, God is saying, amend your ways. Correct what you're doing. Go back and do your first work over. Go back hallelujah, into the place of worship. Go back to the house of God and get in his word. And he said, neither walk after other gods to your own hurt. My God, we're walking after everything. We're living in a time, I think in 1 Peter 3, you say, know this. Paul was talking to Timothy that in the last days that your be perilous times shall arise, that men will believe a lie rather than truth, that they will call men right now calling lies truth every day, cut on the TV, listen to everything. They're changing the nature. They're changing their own nature, saying that it's okay and that there's nothing wrong with that. We're living in perilous time where people will not believe the truth. Hallelujah. But it's up to us, hallelujah, to stand up and proclaim the truth. Men are worshiping idol gods. And let me tell you, those gods are not only gods your money. Most of our pastors and most of our leaders, all they talk about is money, money, money. And let me tell you, we do need money because the Bible tells us that money answers all things. But money is not 
the token of the church. It is not the message of the hour because I believe when we as the people of God begin to preach the unadulterated truth of God, when we begin to teach God's people his word and they have an understanding, we don't have to tell them to tithe and to offer and to give. We don't have to beg and beat down and spend 30, 40 minutes begging for another dollar, begging for another 15 cents. It's when we teach the people of God about the love of God and to love God with all their heart and all their mind and all their soul and all their strength. It's when we as the men and women of God begin to teach God's people what great love and passion and who we are and whose they are and what it is that he requires of us. We won't have to beg for money because God's people will love God enough, love his word enough, and they will just do they will just do is because we as leaders are not doing our job. We're not pushing Jesus Christ, him died and crucified. We're not preaching hell, fires, and brimstone. We're not preaching the love of a true and a mighty God. We're not preaching the mercy of God. We're not preaching the wrath of God. So people are coming and going and swaying and giving God a dollar. We better quit dollaring God this day, this day. Amen. And so we start worshiping the God of money. The church is so full of get a new house and get a new car. So we worship the gods of materialism. Oh, amen. We have other gods that we set up. We set our children of, the, of, of God. Our things is God. He said, but neither walk after other gods. These are his conditions. He said, this is what I need you to do, because if you do these things, no good is going to come to you. He said, because you're going to walk not for me. He said, neither walk after other gods to your own hurt. Listen to what is it. When we do these things, we are walking and doing these things to our own hurt, to our own fault. Many are falling now because of the love of money. The Bible says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Not that money is evil, but because that love for money will make you lie, it'll make you cheat, it'll make you steal, it'll make you murder. Look at our nation today. Look at our young people stealing and beating from old people. Why? Because they want money. Look at the church. People love money more than they love God. They worship their money more than they're loving God. And God is not pleased this morning. He said, then will I call you to dwell in this place. You see, we've got to do all these things in order to dwell in the presence of the Lord. He said, in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. And if we want to dwell in the presence of the Lord, and we want to reap the blessings of the Lord, we have to hear the word of the Lord. We need to amend our ways and our doings. We need to correct those things that are not right, that are not pleasing to God. We have to walk in justice. We have to walk in mercy. We have to walk in his love and kindness. We have to walk in forgiveness, forbearance. We have to become long-suffering, patient, and kind. We have to become hospitable and giving. Well, this is the requirement of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Jeremiah 11 and 4 says, declares that if we obey the voice of the Lord and do what he has said according to all that he had commanded us, so shall we be his people and he will be our God. You see, God is calling us to amend our ways. And it comes to me first. See, this is a time where we have to examine ourselves again and see if we be in the faith. 
Hallelujah. We have to reexamine ourselves every day to see if we're still walking according to the word of God, to see if we're still walking in the commandments of God. He said, hear my word. Not only do I want you to hear, but I want you to obey my word. He said, if you obey my words and if you keep my commandments, he said, then will you be my people and I will be your God. Amen and amen and amen. And I pray today that something was said to touch your heart. Amen. To cause each of us to reevaluate what it is that we're doing. And it's what we're doing, pleasing to God. The Bible says, let us lay aside every weight and every sin that has so be easily beset us or cause us to go astray or to walk aside from the things of God. Let us examine ourselves this morning. Let us reassess where we're standing this morning. Are we standing in a place this morning where God is pleased or is he displeased with some of the behaviors that we have going on? If God would look at our heart this morning, what would he find? What would he find? So all of us have to ask ourselves this morning, Lord, if you looked in my heart, would you find hatred, envy, jealousy? Would you find malice, backbite? Or would you find your love, your mercy, your grace, forgiveness, kindness? What's in my heart this morning that offends you? What is it that I'm doing today, Lord, that is keeping me from fulfilling the destiny and purpose that you have set aside for me? Amen. And if all of us this morning could truly assess ourselves, we know that there are areas in our lives that we need Lord, the Lord to help us this morning. And for those of you who are out there this morning who do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, God is calling you to repentance. He's calling us to repentance. Some of us, well, we've been saved. Yeah, we're saved. But repentance is a daily act because daily we offend God. Daily, we are disobedient to God. And if that's you out there who have never given your heart to the Lord today, we're going to ask that you say this very simple prayer with me, that you would just lift your hands up towards heaven and say, Father, I come to you this morning in the name of Jesus. I've heard your word this morning, and your word has convinced me that I need to change what I'm doing. I am convinced this morning that I am a sinner and that I need a Savior. I am convinced this day that I need to change what I am doing. You say it in your word that whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord, that they shall be saved. So, Father, I call on the name of Jesus. Save me right now. Save me from my sin. I repent for all of my sins. I repent from all of my transgressions. I repent from all the wrongdoings. I repent from staying away from you so, so long. Father, I ask that you forgive me. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and save me now. Lord, I believe that Jesus died on the cross and that on the third day he rose. And today he's rising in my soul so that I can walk in the newness of life. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you for dying and paying that price for me. I thank you right now for salvation. I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray.
Now, Father, I pray right now for those this morning who have not received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Father, I pray right now that you will baptize them according to your promise. But, Lord, you said that we would, you would baptize us with the Holy Ghost. So, Father, baptize them not with your Holy Spirit, that one that leads and guides them into all truth and all righteousness this morning. Do it in the name of Jesus. And for us this morning, oh God, that coming again with a heart of repentance to come to amend our ways and our doings, we acknowledge that we strayed away from you. We acknowledge that we haven't done all that you called us to do. We ask this morning that you will forgive us and cleanse us, Lord. Father, that you would set a fire and a blaze in our hearts, that you would cause our heart to turn around and do those things that are pleasing to you. And so, Father, we ask that you forgive us now, save us, and heal us and deliver us. Us. And it's in Jesus' precious name we receive it by faith, and we say thank you, Lord. Thank you for your great mercy. Thank you for your outstretched hand. In Jesus' name we receive by faith the blood that covers, heals, and delivers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And to God be the glory. Amen. And so this is the end of our broadcast. Amen. I pray that something was said to encourage your soul tonight, today. Amen. I pray that the blessings of the Lord, amen, will keep you. Amen. And now, Jude, we're going to say our benedictions right now. And our scripture is coming from Jude 24 and 25. It says, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceedingly joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Amen. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.